All right. So come on, let's pray for her um, real fast. I think Charles did a great job. So I just want to just go ahead and kind of seal that with her as well. Come on, point your hands this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, give her every word that we need to hear from you tonight. Don't allow no rock to be unturned, oh God. Father, open our ears to hear from her, to hear from her, which will be your words tonight, oh God. Father, we want to hear you let uh, illuminate our minds to your word, oh God. Father, we receive everything that you have for us. You can even blow our minds, oh God. We are expecting and we're praying for this, our sister, oh God. And we ask that you use her like never before. If revival got to break out right now, let it happen. We're ready for whatever it is you want to do through your daughter. And we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. Come on, give God praise right there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I know my lane. That's not it. <laughs> All right. Good evening, everyone. Um, I decided to sit to do this because I really want to take my time, but yet be in time <laughs> when given um, this message. And also, I haven't been feeling well this week, so... To give me an excuse to sit down too. So, um, <laughs> so uh, we've been on this on this series of um, covenants, and last week we um, looked at the definition of a covenant and um, look at the uh, benefits of um, going into covenants and the um, the positive, the blessings, the cursings, and things like that. And so today, I am um, going to be teaching on the um, Edenic and Adamic covenant. And um, when I was studying these um, covenants, um, it really just um, blessed me and humbled me even more. Um, just so thankful for God's plan of salvation, um, that he didn't have to save us. And we are, I am so eternally grateful um, that he had me in mind, that he had you all in mind, that he chose us to be his, his chosen people. Even when Israel messed up, he, um, it, didn't, it didn't change his plan. It was part of his plan. And um, he raised up a church. He raised up a body. Um, and gave us a new covenant with greater benefits. And it's, a, it's, a, um, it's dishonorable, it's a disgrace when we live under an old way, um, in a way that God is not even in anymore. Um, so I am, I'm grateful that um, I'm living in this moment, in this time. Um, because the, the God of the Old Testament uh, was a God not to be played with. Even today, he's still <laughs> not a God to play with. Uh, he just have Jesus restraining them now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right, hold me back. They're acting up again. So we thank God for grace and mercy on that. <laughs> so, um, uh, the, the PowerPoint slides is on the church website. So on the very first page. Um, it's, uh, you're able to download it um, to follow and um, 
that sorts. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just jump on in here. So um, the point of studying covenants um, is to learn about God's plan of salvation. Um, during this period, um, when God was establishing covenants, um, we will learn how God desired to be in covenant um, relationship with the world. Um, there's, there was a song that I just kept singing all day long, and it was, um, no, I'm not going to do that, but um, no, no. Um, it, was, it was Hiding Place, and um, I couldn't figure out why that song was um, in my spirit. And when I was sitting back there, um, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit dropped, dropped on me that covenants creates hiding places. This is not even in my notes. So, um, when you think about it, with the um, Edomic and Adamic covenant, he didn't make a covenant with the whole. Well, he did at first. The Edenic and Adamic covenant and the Noahic covenant, he made a covenant with the world because he wanted to love the world. He wanted the world to just, you know, be in communion with him. But when the world rejected him in the midst of the world, he created a covenant in the midst of the world. And that was the hiding place for Israel. That was the protection place for Israel. But Israel couldn't see that. They were so concerned about um, things that didn't even matter, about bread and about manna and, and all the other stuff that really didn't matter. They couldn't see that this was a God who really wanted to have a relationship with them. And one thing that, that um, was the hang-up for Israel was the fact that they were coming out of a land. This is not in my notes. They were coming out of a land of Egypt where their gods could be seen. And they were coming into a wilderness and were trying to be persuaded to worship a God that they could not see. Wow. So that was their hang-up. And they couldn't understand that this God that they could not see, but it was greater than any other gods that they were exposed to or they were worshiping, um, this God wanted to have a relationship, wanted to be amongst the people. And so um, when you look at um, the book of Genesis, um, they were um, coming into a period of harmony and cooperation to a period of discord. So the, the, the story of the Garden of Eden and Adam um, were told to the Israelites. So this is how Genesis is set up. The, um, Moses was in the wilderness with the Israelites and they were complaining about, you know, why you brought us out here, Moses, and we, uh, we, we had a better life being under in Egypt and things like that. And what's going on? Why, what, who is this God and what are we doing out here? And that's when, um, through divine inspiration and through divine revelation, that's when God began to download into Moses about his plan of salvation. And that's where you get the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He began to tell him the reasoning why I brought you all out here. And while Moses is telling this story, um, he's, he's addressing, you know, their concerns and their cares. And this was a very hard task for Moses to do. 
um, to teach about God's plan of salvation. Even today, um, it's not really taught um, in church about God's plan of salvation and how everything connects and intertwines because we've been persuaded to throw out the Old Testament and just hang on to the new. That's the new, you know, we the new covenant, we the church, but you can't have the new without the old. And so um, in that, we don't, we don't understand God's plan of salvation. We don't understand eternity. And in that, we don't have a hope and, a, and faith for eternity because we're living for today. We're trying to gain riches for today rather than storing up riches for heaven in heaven. Um, so this is God's desire for mankind um, from the beginning was to know his purpose and to show us how God moved from eternity to eternity. And um, Moses wrote Genesis to show the people that God was God, the I am God. And despite of all the rebellious and unfaithfulness and stiff-necked people, he overcame and executed his plan of salvation and is still being executed right now. Salvation would have never worked if he had to depend on our fickle selves. God is going to move the plan of salvation forward based on who he is and not because of who we are, okay? Sin is not going to be able to stop God. Death is not going to be able to stop God. Uh, rebelliousness is not going to be able to stop God of what he has planned to do, which is to bring salvation into the world. He overcame rebelliousness. God wants us to be cooperative. He wants us to be co-laborers with him. But if we do not work with him, oh, believe he will overcome that, <laughs> our faith, unfaithfulness, and still bring his will to pass. Uh, God will finish. He's the author and the finisher. And so he started this um, plan of salvation, and it will be done with, with or without the people on earth. Um, so when we um, look at covenants, we were given, um, let's see here, the purpose of, um, of learning uh, about covenants, let's see here, um, is to teach believers concerning covenants that God has established. I, I believe this is in your notes that um, the pastor uploaded on uh, in the family page. Um, the purpose is to teach um, the believers concerning covenants that God has established with individual nations throughout the time of man. Um, this will also help the believers to understand how this will affect their relationship with God and rejoice in the blessings that are revealed to us through promises God has already put in place. Okay, so an overview of... There we go, overview of covenant. So a covenant um, was an agreement between two parties that bound them together with common interest and responsibility. Um, I believe it was a, a spell error, because I was trying to figure out which I just copied and pasted what you wrote, and I was trying to figure it out. It was the most something sacred to enter into a covenant. And covenants usually included blessings and curses, blessings upon the one who fulfilled um, his part in it. Maybe it was an error in the notes that you, yeah, whatever. But um, I believe you all have the right definition. Um, 
because <laughs> we have notes on our phones, so we were exchanging it probably, who knows. But um, a covenant relationship with God is one of the spiritual blessings we have through our salvation um, in Christ. So what is the significance of being in covenant with the creator? Um, God takes the initiative as the authoritative member. He's the head member of the covenant or of the relationship. And there are stipulations to the relationship between God and Adam as laid out in the prohibition that God gives to Adam, which also has the penalty of death attached to it. So when he gave um, Adam the covenant, he said, um, you, can, you can eat anything in the field. You can roam the, this garden, but there is one tree that you must not eat from. And if you eat from it, you shall surely die. That was the only stipulation that God gave um, Adam. So the, when we look at the covenants, the Edenic, the Adamic, and the Noic covenant are good for all mankind. Okay, because when you get into the Davidic and the Mosaic, that was strictly for Israel only. But these first three covenants are good for all mankind. They're universal and they're normative. So you have to, when you look at the Bible, the Bible has three audiences, the world, Israel, and the church. And so in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, God is dealing with the world. And that's where you get the Edenic and Adamic and Noahic covenants, okay? So the covenants, they transcend the time the covenant was spoken. So these covenants are uh, governed, they, they govern God's relationship with man. So with, um, let me see here. Oh, that's very small, but I'm going to read it. Um, the Edenic and Adamic um, and Noahic covenant um, yeah, okay, it uh, governs the relationship with mankind, and it was said, and with the Noahic covenant, it says, I will establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never be again cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there be, neither, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. So this is the, the covenant that he made with, with, um, with uh, Noah, and it transcend time. He can't, he said he will not flood the earth again. So that means it's still good today. Okay, it doesn't have a time limit or anything like that. And so with the Adamic covenant, he says that I will put enmity between you and women and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise, the, bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. That's still going on now. There's still strife between men and women. There's still strife between husband and wife. There's, uh, there's still strife between children and parents and things like that. And so um, that's still in play, okay? So the reality of covenants is that um, covenants do not begin or end with scripture, meaning that covenants were, were established before scriptures, before Israel. Because you have to understand, Israel was not a, um, they were not a civilization, they were not a group until exile. And so there were other um, civilizations that exist before Israel. And so um, they are defined, when you read um, a lot of scholarly um, books, they define them as ancient Near Eastern civilizations. And in that, there's a, well, I have a book, it's in my book bag, it's called The Images of Salvation. And I just happened to stumble on it, and it was a section on covenants. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> and so I was reading it yesterday night, like, oh. um, um, in, in the book, it says that with, 
with the covenants when, when ancient Near Eastern civilization, when they establish covenants, it's usually the stronger party entering into a covenant with the weaker party. Um, so covenants um, developed as a formalized way of uniting different clans or incorporating outsiders into existing kinship group. So in that time, if you were considered um, a weakling or um, a vassal, that's what they call them, a vassal, and in that time, right, vassal, in, in that time, it was basically survival of the fittest. So if you, if you were a member of the strong group and somebody was trying to mess with you, you would tell them, I'm part of XYZ clan and they won't mess with you. So if you're a member of, if you're an outsider of that strong group and you want to come in covenant with that strong group, that means you, you will come into faithfulness, um, you will come into um, dependency of that strong group. That means you made a covenant with them. And so um, throughout, um, and so it was, like I said, it was about survival. The weakest link, the weakest linked up with the strongest. So if the parties are equal, if it's a strong and a strong um, group, they usually don't go in the covenant together because there was no point. We're both strong. What, what do you have to offer me or whatnot? So that was, that was the culturally normal um, with the ancient Near Eastern um, civilization. And that's kind of the same with God. God is the stronger party, and we are the weak party. And God established a covenant with us. Um, he, God is saying, come to, come to me. Come to me for protection. Come to me for provision. And come to me for deliverance. In, in that covenant, he defines the framework of how the relationship is going to be. We don't have a say because we're weak. And so that's why it's so odd when people say, I've decided to come to Christ. You don't make that decision. He made it before the foundations of the world that you were going to be mine. He just, come, he just waiting for you to come into reality <laughs> that you belong to me or whatever. So even in marriages, the man decides to make a covenant with the wife. Not the wife try to manipulate and say, I'm going to be your help help and try to make a covenant all right I'm not gonna that's later in my notes I jump because women are considered okay all right all right let's go to the next slide amen Eden Nick let's go Eden Nick <laughs> yes it should be on the website not the institute the revival center and it's um, under, you'll see committed, and then you see covenants. And it should say like download notes or something like that. You got it? Your mom got it. Right, uh -huh. come on up. <laughs> it's on the very first page. Very, <laughs> yeah, so it's on, it's on there. Uh, let's see here. The Edenic Covenant. So we find we can find the um, Edenic Covenant in Genesis chapter one, verses uh, twenty-six to thirty. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to read it uh, real quick because I know it's small up there. So it says, "Then God says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all the earth." 
and over every creeping thing that creeps the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which have fruit um, yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and every um, bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth, uh, which have life, I've given um, every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw um, all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So this right here is the covenant. Um, he made everything. He said, be fruitful. You have rule over the fish. You have rule over the, the land. Um, this, is, this, is, and this, is, this is what's um, the Edenic covenant. And so um, it's not really in Genesis. They don't call it the Edenic covenant. You won't find it in, in, in Genesis. But in Hosea 6 and 7, they called it the Edenic, um, the, actually the Adamic covenant, I put that wrong scripture, but um, Genesis 6 and 7, it says, but like Adam, they transgressed the covenant, there they dealt faithlessly with me. And so when you're approaching the Edenic covenant, one must understand the time frame and schedule of events. So during this time in the Garden of Eden, it is the dispensation of innocence, meaning that they were without sin. They were perfect. They were sinless. Okay. Um, innocence is the shortest of the dispensation because it's only between two chapters. So God created, um, man, God created man to live in perfect harmony with himself. And there was no known of imperfection of evil. So Adam and Eve were created in the image of God and they were innocent of sin. They had an eternal soul. They had a free will um, they, were, um, they had the ability to procreate. They walked and worked with God who interacted with his creation. No other creation on earth have the privilege um, to have a relationship with God other than mankind. For God, creating was relational. When God created other living creatures, he simply said, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. But when it came to creating man, he said, let us make man in our image. So we are the only thing that God created that will not pass away. We are created for eternity. Everything else in the creation story will pass away except us. And so, uh, but it depends on where you're going to spend eternity after here on earth. You can, you can live eternity in the Father's house, <laughs> or you can live in eternity being burned all for you. Could you imagine just being right? Okay, because I I don't like I don't like summer weather. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the Lord, and He heard my cry. So, <laughs> just praise God that you are chosen. Yeah. So, um, the oh, I was not turning to see here. Faithless. I was clicking it, and it wasn't going. Okay, there it go. So, um, the penalty. Um, 
Okay, I see what I did. I remember I switched my notes around. Um, in the first passage, we see that God provides um, mankind with life. He provides them with substance, such as water and food. He gave them work. He gave them fellowship. And he gave them limits. And this is where Satan, he wants to ch um, challenge why God sets limits on us. Satan is prideful. And he wants to ascend to the throne of God and make us think that we are little gods. God does not take too kindly for those who do not submit to his limits. Many of us do not want the Lord to reign over us. So as the disciples are asked to church, we need to recognize when that rebellious spirit is in action. Um, Jesus had limits while here on earth. He willingly emptied out himself and became subordinate. Um, and allowed God to set limits on him. Satan used the fact that they had limitations to lure Adam and Eve to sin against God. Did he really say that? Did he really say not to eat from this tree? And then, and then Eve said, well, we couldn't touch or eat from the tree. And, and God did not say you could not touch. He said, you could not eat. So she done thwarted, thwarted the word of God. So when you change the word of God, it's no longer the word of God. It is no longer have power. So that's how, that's how we get caught all the time, though. Because we quote stuff. We, <laughs> we had a time in TLC quoting stuff that wasn't in the Bible. But we quote, <laughs> we quote, <laughs> we quote stuff all the time. And this, the things that we quote is not even the word of God. So if we're quoting something that's not even the word, that means that what we're quoting does not have transformational power. It can't, can't do nothing. It can't do nothing. So Genesis 2 lays out um, the wonderful provision that God grants Adam and Eve. Um, he gave them freedom, like we said, to eat from any tree except from the tree of um, knowledge of good and evil. So um, this was a test of their, of their obedience. And so, uh, let's see here. The penalty for breaking, breaking the, um, the covenant. Let's see here. Here it is. The penalty for breaking the covenant was death. The details of the covenant include the following. Um, mankind was created in, in God's image. Mankind, dominion, rule over the animal kingdom. Um, since the fall of man, though, we, we've always had that inkling to have, to have rule and dominion over something. God gives us um, the uh, ability to have rule over your family, to have rule. Some of us hold managerial positions on their job. Some of us um, have positions in, in church. Um, the question is, with that, with that power, or with that dominion that God is allowing you to have, are you going to run it the way that God wants for you to run it? God has rule and reign and dominion in us so we can advance the kingdom of God. There's no other purpose for, for um, God giving us dominion. It's always about his kingdom. He don't, he don't care about, about you trying to show up people, you trying to prove people wrong and all that stuff. He don't care about that stuff. The only thing he cares about is his kingdom and his plan of salvation, okay? Um, 
and see the uh, the next one is divine directive for mankind to produce and inhabit earth and eating the fruit of tree and knowledge of good was forbidden. So we talked about that. Um, let's see here. So before Eve um, was created, before um, Eve and um, before she was created, all Adam's relationship was vertical to God above and to the animals below. Adam was given the assignment to name the living creatures. And so um, in uh, chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Now the Lord God hath formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see um, what he would name them. And whatever the man uh, called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. So the idea of naming is about dominion, rule, and reign, okay? Whoever names something um, is over that thing. So parents name children. You name your pets. That means you have rule and dominion over them because you oversee them, right? So whatever the man calls that living thing, that is what it is. So God, he extended his authority to man to do that. He let man um, be in charge on earth. So when God created woman, he placed the woman in front of Adam to be named. This means that the woman belonged to, to Adam. Notice that the woman, notice, I'm just saying, notice that the woman did not get her name Eve until the fall in, in um, Genesis 3 and 20. And it was given by Adam. Yeah, yeah, that's tight. It's tight, but it's right. It's right. So there you go. Yeah, that's it. Okay. It was given, given by Adam. <laughs> Eve, um, now, Eve was created to be a helper. Okay. All right. It's about to get tighter. All right. The word helper used for Eve is in Genesis 2 and 20, is a very strong word used for the help that God gives to his people, which demonstrates the woman a central role in aiding the man to fulfill his calling. Women do not occupy an inferior position. We do, we're not inferior in the, in the position in the marriage relationship, but she fully assists her husband in fulfilling the divine mandate. Okay, so this is what, this is what, this is what the problem is when we're dealing with marriage nowadays. <laughs> Jesus, now listen, Jesus took pride in submitting to God. It was, it wasn't an embarrassment. It wasn't something that, it didn't lower Jesus. They were, they, <laughs> now if, if. If, if, if a woman submit to a man nowadays, we think something's wrong with it. We have these strong, aggressive women who think they can run the household because the man is not doing it according to what they think it should be. We got women nowadays uh, who have degree after degree. Now, this is me. I have degrees after degrees after degrees. I got my own house, car. I got a good job. But at the end of the day, when the Lord brings, when he, he puts me in front of my 
Okay, I'm not going to find him, okay? Now, I need to help some of y'all. I'm not going to go look for him. He's going gonna, gonna to find me. He's going to find me ready for him. Because <laughs> e <laughs> Change my name. So, <laughs> I just got to change it. It ain't going to be hyphenated. Just change <laughs> Change my name. <laughs> Change it. Listen, I'm ready to drop this last name. It's the longest last name on earth. <laughs> Long. So, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, go for look at y'all wave. Y'all so silly. <laughs> So the goal is to, to collaborate and coming into subordinate with the husband. Headship and submission is a type shadow for the father and son. Okay? All right, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to keep beating that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go there. <laughs> for the church. I think that was it, though, the interpretation from the church. Um, so um, when we're looking at the garden, the field, um, in, in Corinthians, Paul says these three things about, about um, the church. He said the church is first a temple. And he said, do you um, not know that you are a temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. He said that the church is a building, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, and also we are his garden or field. We are, he said in the same verse, he said, you are God's field, God's building. For we are co-workers in God's service. Um, we are God's field. We are God's building. So from a theological standpoint, we are the church, we the church are God, is God's field. So this is where the work of God needs to be done among the people of God, caring for the garden. Um, the man is, the, is, is placed in the garden to work and to keep the garden. So now, um, since we are born again, we are in the true image of God. Before that, we, we weren't. Adam and Eve were in the true image of God because they do no sin. But since sin entered into the world, in order to be in the true image of God again, we had to be born again. Okay. So in um, Ephesians 4 and 24, it says, and put on a new self which is the likeness of God, um, has been created in righteousness and holiness for the truth. So if we are created in the true image of God, our purpose is to work the field. Just um, like it was with Adam's assignment to work the garden, we are also to work the field. We were created, born again, to work his field. God did not put man to work um, of all of God's creation. He didn't put them, he didn't tell Adam to work the world. He just told him to work this garden. Um, and he put the garden in the middle 
of his creation, in the middle of the world. And that's where he was supposed to work. Um, so one of our creative purposes is to work the field. So we have a special priority to work the garden rather than to work the whole world. Now this is going to really cause some stir and debate because we were told that the church is supposed to do all this outreach to the world, to the world, to the world, to the world. But scripture says that we're supposed to work in the field. And in the field is God is the God of he's the Lord of the harvest. And the harvest is those that he that already belongs to him. And he's looking for workers to raise up the harvest. He didn't say, I'm looking for workers to raise up the world. The world will take care of the world. The world has social systems. The world has all that. God said, I, I, need, I need for people to take care of the harvest. So if we're doing outreach, we have to make sure that we're outreaching in here. It's an inreach. It's a must because the world will take care of the world. But who's going to take care of the church? So one of our so we have a special priority to work the garden rather than the world. It's it's a it's a um, it's a place amongst a place like with the tabernacle like. Like God, he, he didn't dwell in the entire tabernacle. He dwelled where? In the holy place. It's same with us. God, he doesn't dwell in our flesh. He dwells inside of us. So that's how he has the garden in the world, in the middle of the world. He has the chapters into the remarkable book. God is already giving us a hope for a redeemer. Yeah. So in Romans 16 and 20 says the God of peace yeah. yep, um, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Yep, that is it. Okay, there we go. Um, so ever since Satan messed up everything, God promised a day that he was going to make everything right, which is called the day of the Lord. God needs to make everything right. He expelled Adam and Eve to extend grace and mercy so they would not stay in their eternity and stay in eternity in their sinful state. So God had to kick Adam, Adam and Eve out of the garden, not just for grace, but if they ate from the other tree, the tree of life, that means that they will, they will stay in their fallen state. There would be no redemption for them. Yeah. And so um, they will, like I said, they will be confirmed in, in their fallen state. And so in their fallen state, it's not fit for eternity because God is holy and righteous. Um, we will have to, um, if, we, if we're in our fallen state, that means we will be considered contaminated before him. So that's why, um, that's why God had to kick them out. For, to save their lives, to save our lives, so his plan of salvation can, can take, um, take place. So here God promised that one born of a woman will be wounded in the process of destroying Satan. The seed of a woman who will crush the serpent's head is none other than Jesus Christ. Yeah. Even in the midst of the curse, God's gracious provision of salvation shines oh, yes. through. There we go. No, it's bouncing. 
That's the one I'm about to come to. Um, this is the last slide. Besides being a time of judgment, it will be a time of salvation as God will deliver the remnant of Israel, fulfilling his promise of all Israel will be saved. And we'll see that during, actually, the millennial period. Um, forgiving their sins, restoring his chosen people to the land um, he promised to Abraham. The final outcome of the day of the Lord will be that the arrogance of men will be brought low and the pride of man humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. So Isaiah 2 and 17. The ultimate or final fulfillment of the prophecies concerning the day of the Lord will come at the end of history when God with wondrous power will punish evil and fulfill all of his promises. So both Edenic and Adamic covenant of redemption that follows are significant. They're, they're significant for these reasons. First of all, they establish a pattern to be repeated throughout, his, throughout scriptures. Man sins, God judges the sin, God bestows grace and mercy by providing a way to redeem man and restore man's relationship with God. You see it through scripture all the time. Man sins, God judges the sin, God bestows grace and mercy by providing a way to redeem man and restore man's relationship with God. Second, covenants show us that sin has always, that sin always have consequences. Yeah. Understanding the different covenants in the Old Testament and the relation to each other's is important in understanding God's covenant relationship with his chosen people as well as his plan of redemption as revealed in scripture. This is the point of covenants. God loves us so much that he wanted to, to, to come up with a way for a man to be saved and for him to have a relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. These are the covenants uh, that was presented to the world and they're still in play. And like I said in the beginning, that God, he established new covenant and, the co and he realized, well, the, the old covenant, which we will talk about, the Levitic and all that stuff, it was not fitting. There's no, there's, there was no way for anybody to to follow that covenant because it was too strict. So that's why God had to create another covenant for the people. If you think about it, the, 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 the um, oh, what's the word I wanna use? The, um, the benefit, so the prize of following the law is that you'll be able to enter into the promised land. Nobody entered into the promised land except two people, Moses and Caleb, that's it. Everybody else died off. Because the because they could not be obedient, and so that's why God had to create another covenant for His people to follow. And we praise and we thank God that 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 this covenant, um, when we mess up, we have grace and mercy. With them, if they mess up, they were thrown into exile. And we thank you, God, that you have not thrown us out because there are so many day every day you could have thrown us to the side. But because of the grace and mercy, because of the shedding of the blood, we're able to stand before you. So God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you have revealed to us your plan of salvation. And that you 
want us to be a part of that plan, Father. And so, God, we don't, our lives that we live is not ours to live. It's for you, God, to get the glory. It's for you, God, to move through us and to advance the kingdom. So, God, I lay my will, I lay my desires before you, God, and I yield to your plans, Father. I, God, want to be a part of the plan. I want you to use me, God, like never before. Yeah. And I pray, oh God, that this is the cry of the people. That, God, we, we don't get caught up in worldly desires. Yeah. But, God, allow us to be caught up in kingdom desires, Father. Yes. God, you want... To, to have a relationship with us. You want for us to be co-laborers. You want for us, God, to, to carry out this plan here on earth, God. And as I stand before you, God, when um, we're standing in front of the beamer seat, I, God, want to be able to say, I've done your will, God. I've done what it is that you've called me to do, Father. I lay down the worldly desires and I strive to be a disciple. I strive, God, to be a representative. I strive, God, to be an ambassador, God. Because, God, I love you so much that I want for your will to be done. So, God, right now, allow our lives to line up. Allow women to be patient and allow men to take their seat in headship. Download your plan into the men of God. Allow women Be submissive and have the right motives. Yeah. Allow man to reach you like never before. Allow them, God, to hear from you. Allow man to get their lives together. Many are crying out for a help, but God, you will not bring a woman in front of a man who doesn't have it together. Adam had work to do. God gave him work. His work was to take care of the field and to name animals. And many of us, oh God, many men, many women, are still lost and don't know what type of work to do. God, please don't allow us to look for a job, but God, give us the work to do. Allow God, allow us God to be stewards over our finances. Allow God, allow us God to be a steward when it comes to studying your word, when it comes to hearing from you, God, 
to the point where women don't have to question whether or not a man is following God. So God, as the prayer was, was, um, was given before about marriages and healthy marriages, I pray, oh God, that you're raising up healthy people yes, so that we are able to come into covenant with one another in marriage. So God, cleanse and purify us and lift us up, oh God. And allow our motives to be of you, Father. Change our trajectory, God. Change our mindset. That we will start desiring things, God, that you want for us to desire. So God, I lift you and I love you. And I bless you, God, that you have allowed this revelation to be illuminated. And so, God, I pray that it didn't fall on deaf ears, that um, we will take the mission of God seriously. calling us, God, to work the field. And we praise God for the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. You said the harvest is plentiful. Where are the laborers? So Lord, change our minds, oh God, to not to please the world, but to work in the field to please the Father. So we thank you for the divine illumination of the garden and how that reflects in the church. We thank you for the divine illumination of how men and women are supposed to be, God. We thank you, God, for the divine illumination of, of, of rule, reign, and dominion here on earth, oh God. So God, I lift you up and I bless you and I honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Let's give God praise yeah. for his word.